You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. Charitable organizations have been working for years to support the harvesting of pacemakers for implantation in individuals for whom these life-saving and life-prolonging devices might otherwise not be available. It's a practice that's not currently permitted within the U.S. on the grounds that it's not been proven safe and effective. But a team of investigators is hoping to change that perception and increase awareness for donations overseas. Our guest today is Dr. Tamir Bayman, a fellow in cardiac electrophysiology at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Dr. Bayman is co-founder of Project My Heart, Your Heart, a local collaboration working to posthumously explant pacemakers for donation abroad. Welcome, Dr. Bayman. Thank you for having me. Maybe first for our listeners, you could just give a broad overview of what the program's doing. The goal of our program is to establish the feasibility and safety of pacemaker reuse. Looking at the extent of cardiovascular disease in the world, up to 30% of deaths are due to illnesses of the heart. And we think that this is a currently wasted resource that we have here in the U.S. that others in other parts of the world may benefit from, i.e. donation of these post-mortem extracted pacemakers. Our goal is to find out if this can be done safely and effectively. We're working with Michigan area funeral directors to have them explant these devices with the consent of family members and have them delivered to the University of Michigan. We then hope to check the devices, erase all personal information, and make sure they're functioning adequately and appropriately. If the device has an adequate battery life and is functioning appropriately, we would re-sterilize them. And through the help of World Medical Relief, a charitable organization in Detroit, we would then send these devices to other countries in the world. We hope to partner with the FDA to do this in a clinical study format. Uh, We think it's very important to really analyze this through a scientific method to determine, is this process safe and is it effective? Wow, Tamir. Now, the pacemaker reuse does have a history overseas. Can you give us some of the details about how long that's been going on and, and what have been the results so far? And this is something that actually surprised me when I began my literature search on this topic. There are approximately 15 to 20 peer-reviewed journal articles that have shown that pacemaker reuse can be done safely and effectively. Countries in Europe, as well as Canada and India, have been doing this in the 80s and 90s. And they found that the complication rate, namely device failure and device infection, is no higher in a post-mortem extracted pacemaker than a new pacemaker implant. These are all small studies. We feel it's necessary to do this on a large scale and really determine the safety and efficacy. And currently, how does the FDA view this practice? So pacemaker re-sterilization and implantation is not legal in the United States. And we have not started taking these devices and sending them abroad. We're hoping to work with the FDA, meet with them in the upcoming months to establish a clinical trial so that we will have FDA approval to take the devices, transport them, sterilize them, and export them. Interesting to me that we're approaching the FDA in the U.S. about exporting devices for use outside the U.S. And that's something that I had to look into in great detail. And currently, as the law stands, a funeral director cannot explant a device and ship it to another individual. 
And I think the spirit of that law is to avoid creating a black market for devices in the United States. And we think that by showing the spirit of our program, the FDA would give us an exemption outside of that transportation issue and thus allow us to ship them, sterilize them, and export them. So your goal, as you mentioned, is to speak with the FDA, develop a partnership, and hopefully fund a clinical trial. Well, uh, talk to us about the process with, you mentioned families and funeral directors. What's in place to help get these first steps rolling? So at the university, we wanted to make sure that families, funeral directors, and patients were actually in favor of such a program. Because without their help, a program such as this would, would really go nowhere. We found in our device clinic that 87% of patients were in favor of a program and would be willing to donate their device post-mortem. And we found that 71% of their family members would approve such a process. This is a survey of over 1,100 patients combined. And then finally, we went to the funeral directors in our state and asked them, if we establish this program, would you be interested in contacting us when you have a patient who passes away with a device and working with us to get that device to a third world country? And 89% of those individuals are interested. 89% of funeral directors are interested in such, a pro- in such a program. So we're in the process of creating a website, myheartyourheart.org, and we are going to create a forum in which funeral directors, they have a patient who passes away with a device. They can go to this website, download the consent form for the family, explant the device, and send it to the University of Michigan so that we can check and possibly reuse that device for the third world. We hope to send these devices to the Philippines, Vietnam, and Nicaragua. These are our clinical pacemaker centers uh, that we hope to utilize in an upcoming clinical trial if we're able to get FDA approval to go through this process. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. Tamir Bayman, a fellow in cardiac electrophysiology at the University of Michigan Hospitals in Ann Arbor. There, he's the founder of Project My Heart, Your Heart. Uh, Tamir, you mentioned countries where you intend to set up the pacemaker clinics. How were those countries chosen? One of the pacemaker implant centers is in the in Manila, Philippines. World Medical Relief is a nonprofit organization in Detroit, and they've actually been doing this uh, for the past year. They've sent over a total of 12 devices to this pacemaker implant center in Manila, and the devices would be re-sterilized and reused. So we thought that that's a good fit to initially incorporate them into our clinical trial. All the pacemaker implant centers I have personally visited to make sure that they adhere to a certain standard of sterility as well as technical expertise. And I was very delighted to find out that these pacemaker implant centers are essentially the same as any United States pacemaker implant center. Do you have a feel for which countries around the world have a greater incidence of the arrhythmia and the conduction problems that actually result in requirement for a pacemaker? We did an extensive literature search to try and answer that question, and I have to be honest, it was quite difficult. We think that Africa probably has the greatest need. There's an infectious disease component in addition to the regular attributors to pacemaker therapy or pacemaker need that countries in South America as well as Africa face. However, the data is just simply not there for Africa. Turning to South America, they have an increased prevalence of Chagas disease, which can cause conduction disorders. So that's another area that we think may potentially benefit. Our hope is to do this on a small-scale clinical trial format to prove that this can be done effectively and safely, 
And at that point, we believed that other academic centers would then pick up where we left off, incorporate their own clinical trials or incorporate their own pacemaker implant centers in a collaborative process. And from there, we can really make a difference in the third world, we hope. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of other organizations with whom you might collaborate, tell our listeners about those. So we're working with World Medical Relief. They are a nonprofit charitable organization based in Detroit, and they're currently involved in delivering used technological goods to countries all over the world. They're a fascinating organization. They do an excellent job from delivering used EKG machines to radiation fluoroscopy equipment. It's something that they have a very good reputation in the Michigan area, and oftentimes hospitals, when they have equipment that they're upgrading, they get sent this equipment. World Medical Relief will catalog it and will find a use for it, and they have been very, very successful. Let me turn, Tamir, to the device itself. How old can a device be and still be eligible for redonation? Really, the battery life of a device is affected by how much it's being used. So somebody who is what we call pacemaker dependent, in other words, requiring a pacemaker for every heartbeat, that person's battery may last only three to five years. Somebody who has a pacemaker just in a backup setting and uses it occasionally, that device can last five to seven years. So it's really hard to say, and right now we are trying to analyze devices at the, at the University of Michigan that we explain currently to find out are there any prognostic indicators that we can utilize to determine whether or not a device will meet a certain battery cutoff. But really the bottom line is if the patient is using it all the time, that battery will be less than the patient who uses it very rarely in the backup setting. And that leads to the next point of ICDs, implantable defibrillators. In this country, we implant a great majority of ICDs as primary prevention. All of these ICDs are also pacemakers. And so this is something that we are looking into. Can we utilize these ICDs for their pacemaker function for our purposes in the third world? And we think that when we further explore what devices are out there, there may be quite a few ICDs that are going to come to us with a more than adequate battery life because it's an insurance policy for many individuals, and many individuals actually do not end up using them throughout their lifetime. You know in ICD placement, one of the frustrations is not being able to target the folks who are at the highest risk. We can't identify them well. And so as a fallback, we put the ICD in place. It it ensures the patient's safety, but so many of them go unused. So this would be a lovely way to extend the use of the device and spread the benefit of the care. Right. We think that that's probably the greatest resource that's being wasted currently is all those ICDs that are never used. And people are literally buried with them. Or if a person undergoes a cremation, the funeral director is obligated to remove the device, and they're literally thrown in a bucket in the funeral director's place of work. Let's bring it down to the patient level. You did describe conversations that take place with funeral directors and with families. I'm sure you've thought over the possibility of having a conversation with a patient who's undergoing an implantation in the U.S. about the potential for use of that device later. We have, and that, from my own personal interest, whenever I implant a device, I do ask, you know, would this be something you'd be interested in donating if the battery life was retained? And the great majority of them say yes. And actually, surprisingly, a lot of them say, well, I would like to donate to a family member if my family member needs it or somebody in the state of Michigan. And I have to tell people that's highly forbidden by the, by the FDA. But people, I think a lot of people realize that medical care is a premium. Despite our health care system not being perfect, a lot of people in the U.S. do get access to these cardiac devices. And people realize that in the rest of the world, they're 
people really aren't as fortunate as we are. Well, in fact, I've looked at your website and read some of the materials. I'm not sure you mentioned it here. How many people die each year for lack of a pacemaker? We believe the number is around 1 to 2 million. Once again, it's very hard to put a number on this type of illness. For instance, I went to Ghana. We have a sister hospital there. To We're hoping to establish a pacemaker program with them. They currently have a long way to go in terms of training and having adequate facilities. But in my one week there, I saw five individuals come to their cardiology clinic who had heart rates in the 30s. These individuals were unfortunately passing out quite often and there was nothing we could offer them. They literally came to the clinic, we diagnosed them having a conduction disorder, and we sent them home because there's no other option. So these people aren't cataloged in any way. These people are the people that are simply not documented. So I think the number is significant, and the estimates I've heard from experts in this field range for about 1 to 2 million people in the world. Well, can you advise our listeners here, the physicians and nurses and physicians assistants, can they talk with their patients about this possibility? And then can we encourage patients to get in touch with you or who else if they're interested in learning more? We can definitely use the help of other individuals. The first thing that we need to do on our part is to work with the FDA. So I have to say that we can't do anything until the FDA approves our process so that we don't have any liabilities in the face of the funeral directors who are sending us these devices. If we can get that approval in the next maybe four to five months, if they go to myheartyourheart.org, they can then see information of the program and how it's, how it's coming along. Raising awareness is definitely a key aspect of this program, not only telling patients but telling patients' families that, hey, if when this patient passes away, unfortunately, they can give the gift of life to others. Just let their funeral director know to go to our project website where all the information is available. The other thing we hope to do if we're successful down the road is to maybe use this as a organ donation system so that we can a patient can say when they're alive, I would like my device donated, and there's some way that the funeral director is notified of that, such as an organ donation system, and then that pacemaker can be explanted. I think that is a wonderful concept, and as our electronic world finally catches up with the other industries and and connects medical institutions as it does the banking industry, I think that's actually feasible. And what a wonderful resource to save and extend the lives of others. Thank you very much. We hope that we're able to be successful. We've been talking with Dr. Tamir Bayman about Project My Heart, Your Heart, a program his team at the University of Michigan is working on to expand beyond the United States. Dr. Bayman, thank you so much for being our guest. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast to this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.